Welcome to Thrive Church. We are so happy to have you here with us today, uh, whether you're in person, online, at one of our campuses, we welcome you. My name is Judah Thomas, and I'm the lead pastor here at Thrive. And uh, we are in a series right now called Pray Like Jesus, and this is the final week of this series. We've been going through phrase by phrase of the Lord's Prayer, and so we've come to the end, but I want to let you know next week we are starting a new series called Twisted. Twisted, and it's going to be about scriptures that people twist and turn and misuse and misunderstand, and so we're going to be taking a look. It's going to be a fun series starting uh, next week, but this week, again, we are finishing up our series Pray Like Jesus, and, and we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, and this is a prayer that Jesus taught his closest followers, he was teaching them how to pray. He was teaching them how to pray. And my challenge to you is to pray this prayer, you know, to go through this prayer. You know, I encourage everyone to spend a few minutes every day doing what we call the 555 challenge, which is spending five minutes every day in Scripture, five minutes praying, and five minutes listening for the voice of God. Now you can change the times of that if you like, but but it's a good place for us to start and this prayer can fit very nicely in that. You know, the, you can pray the Lord's prayer in just a mi- couple of minutes or I mean you can spend 20 30 minutes praying through it, but it's a reminder and as we pray it we stop at each line and we kind of fill in the blanks as we go. For example, we're, we'll see the 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 prayer here in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 says this then is how you should pray again this is how not what this is the way in which we should pray not that we should just mindlessly repeat these words over and over again this is how you should pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name and we thank God at this point we thank him for the good things that he's done we thank you God for your faithfulness to us we thank you for your for your provision we thank you that you are good and you are holy and you are kind and just and we thank you that you are forgiving and we thank you for all the many blessings that you've showered upon us we thank you that you are good you are worthy of our praise and your kingdom come God we ask you to expand your kingdom draw those who are far from you draw them to you Father be with our friends and our family and our loved ones who are far from you draw them to you Let our church expand and reach more men and women and boys and girls for your kingdom. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we want your will to be done in our life, in my life. Lord, we want your will to be done. We've got a lot of plans. We've got a lot of ideas and dreams and aspirations. But Lord, let it not be our will. Let it be your will. In fact, we trade our will for your will. Give us your direction, your guidance. Open up the doors you would have us to go through. And give us this day our daily bread. Father, we ask for your provision in our life. We know that you provide all that we have need of according to your riches and glory. So provide for us spiritually and physically and financially and emotionally and all that we have need of. We come to you as our source for you to provide. We also acknowledge that that Jesus is our daily bread and let us walk closer to him today in each and everything that we do. And forgive our 
debts, forgive our sins. Father, forgive us of our sins, the times that we've hurt other people and the times that we've hurt you. Forgive me for the things that I've done last week and the things that I did yesterday. And and God, we come to you, we ask you for your forgiveness, but also help us to forgive others. Help us to forgive the person who has hurt us and abused us and slandered us and talked bad about us and done all kinds of things. Lord, let us extend the same forgiveness to them. And lead us not into temptation. Let us not fall into the traps of temptation. Let us not stumble and fall. Let us not fall into the same temptations that we fell into before. But give us the strength to resist. Give us the ability to take the way of escape that you have provided for us. And deliver us from the evil one. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. How God can deliver us from the evil one. So God, deliver us from evil attacks and sickness and disease. We ask you these things. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Did you know that section actually isn't in the original text? We kind of add that in. It's a great way to end the prayer, but, uh, but it's not actually in there, but, but it's consistent with Scripture. So if you're praying, hey, it's great to end with that, but, but this is the Lord's Prayer. And, and right now we're talking about deliver us from the evil one, so you can underline that. The evil one is Satan. The evil one is the devourer, the destroyer, the accuser. The devil, the one who seeks to to attack us, he's coming after us. there's There's this battle going on, a battle between your father, the devil, and God, our father. You know, we we have two fathers. We talked about this in the very first week. We have two fathers, our father, the devil, and he is the father of lies, and God, our heavenly father. And if we're living in sin and living in pride, then we're acknowledging that the devil is our father. But if we're living in a way that that is honoring and glorifying God, we're trying to follow after Jesus, then God is our father. It's like there's this cosmic custody war going on. Say, I want him to be mine. No, I want her to be mine. And it's going back and forth. There's a battle over your soul. In your notes, if you're taking them, we have an enemy who wants to destroy us. There is an enemy. The enemy is the devil. Some people say, well, the devil is just kind of a, an idea, more of an idea, a representative of, of bad things in this world, but, but there's not an actual devil. No, Scripture tells us that there is a real devil, and this devil is coming after us. He, he wants to discredit us, to discredit you. He wants to get you to stumble and to fall. He wants to, to trap us. He wants to feed us lies and get us to believe these lies. He wants us ultimately as his children. Are we children of God or children of the devil? You know, following Jesus is not easy. Sometimes people imply that, oh, follow Jesus and everything's going to be great in life. No, following Jesus is not easy because we have an enemy. We have an enemy. There's, there's a battle. This is warfare, spiritual warfare, and we need armor. We need God's armor. God's armor, and we get that through prayer and through being in God's word. We're able to equip ourselves with the armor to withstand the attacks that come against us. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, stay alert. Hello, you guys alert? Some of you guys dozing off a little bit. Stay alert. Stay alert. Like, you know, I know the chairs are comfy, and, you know, we come in, we're like, oh, you know, it's just... So comfy, nice music. I'm just going to doze off. Here it says, stay alert. Watch out. 
For your great enemy, the devil. See, you have a great enemy. The great enemy, the devil. He says, watch out, stay alert. For your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around. Prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's comparing the devil to a lion. I think it's interesting because lions are powerful, aren't they? I mean, lions are, are muscular and they, and they go after their prey and they, and they destroy their prey. They're fast. But, but did you ever notice that lions usually aren't as fast as their prey is? They're not as fast. In fact, a lion uh, really can't catch, say, say, a gazelle very easily. You know, gazelles, on average, their top speed is around 50 miles an hour. And a lion, his top speed is around 40 miles an hour. So if they're both going top speed, that lion is going to be starving because the lion, you know, can't catch up to the gazelle. Most big predators are not as fast as the prey that they are eating. And it's a good thing because if they were, they would probably wipe out the entire population. But the lion, the lion does not go after the strongest. The lion goes after the weak. The lion goes after those that are sick. The, the lion goes after the, the gazelles that are separated from the rest. The lion goes after the straggler, the one who's, who's injured and alone and, and maybe, maybe is distracted. It says, deliver us from the evil one. That's who the lion is going. He, he's looking for someone to devour, to separate from the, from the herd, to separate from everyone else. Deliver us from this evil one. The Bible teaches us that the devil comes with three purposes, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so in this prayer, saying, God, deliver us from the evil one, we are petitioning God for protection in our life. We're petitioning God Almighty, saying, God, spare me from being lion bait. I don't want to get caught. You know, and, and, and we're, we're very vulnerable, especially when we're not staying close to one another. When we're not close to one another, when, when we aren't spiritually strong, when we're spiritually weak, when we're isolated, when we're spiritually sick, we become easy prey. See, he, the devil's not going to go after those who are, who are strong. He goes after those who are straggling, who are lingering behind. The lion can't attack the whole herd. But he attacks those who are in isolation, those who have wandered off the path, those who are distracted by other things. They're off there, they're distracted, they're not sure where the, where the rest of the herd is, and then they become easy prey. And this is why, you know, we're getting ready to, to launch a bunch of, uh, of Thrive groups in the next, uh, you know, uh, month or two. And so if you're interested in getting involved, we encourage you to, to go online, thrive.church slash groups, or or you can fill out the info bar, check that off, because we want to make sure that we are in community together, that we are doing life together with each other, that we're not separated from everyone else, because when we're separated, we become an easy target for our enemy, the devil. It says, be alert, be alert. That was the first two words there, be alert, because if you're not alert, you become what they call a soft target. Soft target is 
what they teach you when you learn things about you know, situational awareness and, and, and self-defense. If, if you're walking down the road, you, know, you don't want to be what's called a soft target, somebody who's just glued to their cell phone, just looking down and not aware of what's going on because you become easy prey for someone who wants to do you harm. Instead, we stay alert. We're scanning, we're looking, we're, we're being alert, we're being vigilant, we're being focused. See, God wants us to be victorious. In your notes, God has made us victors, not victims. And yet many of us, we go along life as a victim and not as a victor. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, but the Lord is faithful. Isn't it good to know that we serve a God who is faithful, who is just, who is true? I mean, when he says something, he is faithful to do it. He's faithful to be there for us. He says, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you, and he will guard you from the evil one. God is making a promise to you that he is faithful, that he will strengthen you and guard you. God is our guard. God is our shield. God is our fortress, our deliverer, the one that we can run to in times of trouble. We can run to him for protection, for salvation, for healing, for forgiveness, for transformation. He is our strong tower, and he's the one who protects us. In your notes, God alone can guard us from the attacks of the evil one. It's only God who can guard us. It's not me and my strength. It's not you and your strength that we can resist the devil. But God is the one who is powerful enough to guard us and protect us from the attacks of the evil one. The attacks of the enemy. God is our guard. There's no part of our life, though, that is untouched by, by evil. Right? Evil has come into, it seems like, every area of our life and our world. It's ruined many circumstances. It's messed up our character. And it's affected all of God's creation. There's evil in this world, and there is an evil one who is trying to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. And we don't know what dangers we may face on a daily basis. We don't know what, what attacks are going to come our way, and that is why we pray this prayer. God, deliver us from the evil one. We need God's protection in our life. When you pray, deliver us from the evil one, you're turning your protection over to God, saying, God, I can't protect myself. You know, I might be good, I might be strong, I might got, you know, maybe I have a, have a yellow belt in karate or a, maybe even a black belt in karate, but you are not strong enough to deliver yourself from the evil one. God is the one and the one alone who can deliver us. So as we pray this portion of the prayer, we're admitting that life is a struggle. We're admitting that we are in warfare, that we are in a, in a battle in a battle where, where an enemy seeks to, to destroy us, to discredit us, to defame us. And we're combating this enemy who wants to oppress us and ultimately keep us from serving the Lord. Now there was a painting that was painted in the 1800s. And the title of this painting is called The Chess Players. And it's by a man named Moritz Retsch. Now, now this painting, uh, you can see it here, uh, is 
another title for this painting is called Satan Playing at Chess with a Man for His Soul. That's a long title, but that's the, the title of this painting. Some people have nicknamed this painting and called it Checkmate. Now, the interesting thing about this painting, if you look at it, uh, there's some interesting things. On, on, on the left-hand side, you have the, the devil, and he's represented by the, the guy with the green cloak. And then, and then you have the, the soul, the, the person on the right-hand side, and they're playing this cosmic game of chess over the man's soul. They're playing on top of a casket because that's where this guy will end up if he loses this game. You also see on the right side, lower corner, you see a skull, and this apparently is one of the previous losers of this game of chess. You see an angel there in the background looking in dismay at this person that is struggling to, to, to maintain this game, to maintain their position in this game, but now it looks like it's all hopeless. And for many of us, we feel like this is like our life. It's representative of, of how we are. It's like, like we're playing this cosmic game of chess and we're about to lose. And so this painting was painted in the 1800s, um, but there was a, a man... His name was Paul Morphy, and in the 1800s, he was considered one of the greatest chess players of the time, and, and he was over a friend's house who happened to own this painting, and he was looking at this painting on the wall, and he's staring at it, and people looked at this painting for years, and it's kind of this, this, this depressing painting, seeing that the devil is about to win this cosmic game of chess. And as this guy, Paul, was studying the board, and he's looking at it, and he takes out a chessboard, and he kind of recreates it there, and he's looking at it, and he's looking at it from every angle, and he says, I've got it. He says, there's a move in here that, that nobody considered. There's a move here that not only will this man not lose, but he will be able to win the game of chess, that, that, that he'll actually be able to checkmate the devil instead of being checkmated himself. And if only he knew what the move was. See, many Christians, many of us who are following Christ, we feel much like this player of chess. We feel doom and despair. We feel disheartened that the devil is just one move away from taking us out. We feel like we're just, we're just moments away from defeat, but we forget that there is a great master, Jesus Christ, who says there is a way, there is a move. He's provided a way, he's provided a way to take us out of the enemy's grasp, and he's provided a way to reverse the tides and claim the victory for us. See, that's what God has done for us. So we don't have to be a slave to sin. We don't have to be in the grip of the devil any longer. He's provided a way for us. It says in 1 John 4, 4, but you belong to God, my dear children. You belong to God. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater, underline that, greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Greater is God in you than any evil in this world. See, you can walk with boldness and confidence, not because you are strong, but because greater is God in me. Greater is the spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit is greater in you than anything else in this world. And we can walk with confidence and boldness, knowing that God is there. He's our protector. We can come boldly praying for protection for ourselves and others. We can resist the attacks of the evil one when we submit ourselves to God. God is offering overwhelming victory victory to you. It's ours through Christ who loves us. In your notes, victory is ours through Jesus Christ. And yet many of us, we live defeated lives. We live lives in bondage. We live lives 
you know, not understanding what Christ has done for us. We live lives much like the man in the painting, just saying, oh, there's no way I can get out of this mess. There's no way. But there is a way through Jesus Christ. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 14, it says, I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. If you're following Jesus Christ, then you are one of God's children. He says, I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. Some of you, you've been serving God for many, many years. You're mature in the faith. He says, I've also written to you who are young in the faith because you're strong. Some of us, maybe you've only been serving God for, for a few months, a few weeks, maybe even a couple of days. And it says here, it says, God's word lives in your heart and you have won your battle with the evil one. God's word lives in your heart and you've won the battle with the evil one. So what helps us win the battle with the evil one? What is the key for us winning this battle against the devil in your notes? God's word in your heart will help you to win the battle against the evil one. This is why scripture says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. How can a young person stay pure? By taking heed to God's word. This is why we talk about putting on the full armor of God. The full armor of God, we put on the breastplate of righteousness. We put on the, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the sword of the spirit, the lance of prayer. And we, we put these things on. And what are all of these things? They're all rooted in God's word. And as we read God's word and as we pray, we're putting this on. See, see what, what it's like is, like, it's like getting in your car, right? If you get in your car, you put on your seatbelt, right, before you drive anywhere. Like most of us, most of us sane, normal human beings, when we get in our car, we first, we, we buckle up. Buckle up for safety. Click it or ticket. They got all these little slogans to, to remind us. Why? Because when I grew up, we didn't do that. <laughs> Probably a lot less of us because of that, too. Um. I mean, I mean, when I was a kid, it was like you just get in the car and, and we just go, go, you know. I mean, I remember driving from here to the Carolinas in the back seat and the front seat and the floor and the trunk, like, like wherever. No seatbelt. I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. In fact, in fact, I went all the way from Connecticut to South Carolina in the bed of a pickup truck. There was no seatbelts back there. Come on. We were made of different stuff until we got in a car accident, of course. See, and then at some point, somebody said, you know what? I think it's a good idea to have some, some protection, to have something that can prevent these catastrophic accidents. And most of us would never get in our car and drive around without wearing our seatbelt, but yet we'll go out of the house and we'll enter our day without putting on the full armor of God. We're not putting it on. We're not in God's word. We're not praying. We're not seeking God for direction. We say, oh, I'm just going to go on out there. It, it, it's far worse. It's far worse than getting in your car with no seatbelt on. You know, are we putting on the full armor of God? See, God is our deliverer. God is our protector. There is no need to be afraid when God has our back. God is your deliverer. We can turn to him for protection and you don't have to give in to the threats of the evil one any longer. We don't have to give a foothold to the devil. This is a prayer of protection. We're praying, deliver us from the evil one. Praying for God to protect us, to protect our family, to protect our friends. And you can name them and go through each one and say, God, protect them, provide for them, deliver them. Be specific about the battles that each are facing. 
Scripture makes it clear, though, that God may allow us to go through suffering. But here's the promise that we know. In your notes, God is never taken by surprise by the issues that you face. God is never taken by surprise by the sickness, by the trauma, by the the tragedies that you go through in life. He is still our protector. He will still deliver us from the evil one. But he doesn't say we won't be tested. He doesn't say we won't be attacked. But with God, we can overcome. We can overcome. You know, we shall overcome. With God, we are safe. And with God, we are free. Even in the middle of difficulties, victory is yours. God can protect us. He will protect us. He will defend us from the attacks of the evil one. Final verse in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. For everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, he says, overcomes the world. You are an overcomer. Through Christ, you can overcome the world. This is this victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Who is it that overcomes the world? Next line says, only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You want to be an overcomer? This is, this is the criteria to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to put on the full armor of God so that we can resist the fiery darts of the evil one. When storms come, there's no place I would rather be than in God's presence. The devil may hurl attacks at me. He may hurl slanderous accusations at me, but I can stand strong when my faith is in Jesus Christ my Lord because he protects and he pardons and he provides. I don't need to walk in fear any longer. I don't need to walk in worry and anxiety and doubt when I'm walking with God Almighty. When I'm praying this prayer, we begin with praise, praising God's name. Then we're asking for his provision. We're asking for his pardon. And we're asking for his protection. Deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from his attacks. Deliver me from his slander. Deliver me from the lies that he puts in my head. Deliver me from sickness and disease. Deliver me from depression and doubt and anxieties and worries. Deliver me acknowledging that I can't do it on my own. I can't fight my own battles because I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough, but I know who is. I can praise his name. I can't fight my battles, but he can. And I will praise his name in the process. I will praise his name because he is good. I will praise his name because he is my provider. I will praise his name because he's pardoned my sins. I'll praise his name because he is my protection, my shield, and my fortress. Let's pray together. Well, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we thank you. We thank you that you are good, that you are our ever-present help in time of need, that you are our fortress, a strong tower, our shield. So we come to you now. We say we put our faith in you and you alone. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord, don't go out into the world unprotected. Does anyone who calls on his name will be saved. If you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you say with your mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord, Scripture says you are saved. Won't you call on his name right now? 
Won't you speak with your mouth and say, Jesus, you are my Lord, and I choose to follow you. God, we come to you. Many of us are facing difficulties right now. Many of us are facing troubles and attacks. Many of us are facing strongholds. Many of us feel like, like the man in the painting. We're on the losing side of a cosmic game of chess. And it seems like there's no way out. It seems like we're in checkmate. But we thank you that you have made a way. You have made a way through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that you are our protector. You are our guide. You have defeated the power of the evil one, and now your spirit is in us, and greater are you in us than anything in this world. So we will not rely on ourselves. We will not rely on our own strength. We will not rely on our own understanding, our own wisdom, but we will put our trust in you. Some may trust in battle some may trust in weapons some may trust in chariots some may trust in their strength some may trust in their money some may trust in a relationship but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God he is the one who has the ability to protect you are the one who has the power to save so we say come into our heart Lord Jesus defend us deliver us from the evil one in Jesus name amen